Welcome to Ethereal Underground. I'm your host, TNT, and we have another exciting episode for you, episode 40. I'm happy to have a good friend of mine be with us today, Joe. It's taken us a couple months to get our schedules arranged to where he could be our guest today. He has an interesting story to tell, you know, life in general. Everyone has interesting stories and he's got a unique career. I think in another life, I wouldn't have, I did early when I was younger, consider what he does for a living. That's probably in my top four or five careers if I had to do it over again. But like our other guests, I'll have Joe bring us up to speed, a little background, what generation he is, where did he grow up, does he have any siblings, parents, things of that nature. And then this is non-scripted, so we have no idea where the interview is going to go, but I'm always interested to hear people's perspective and excited to hear what Joe has to say. So with that being said, Joe, I want to welcome you to Ethereal Underground, to the listening audience, and tell us a little bit about yourself. Uh, hi, well, it's, it's great to be here. Uh, well, I grew up, I'm the end of Generation X. I was born in the early 80s, and I grew up in the Midwest. I have My two parents are still alive. I have one sister. I grew up a normal kid in the 80s life, just a kind of middle-class family. Had worked got a couple jobs when I was young so my mom could stay home with me and I was raised Catholic I grew up in a Catholic school for 13 years if you count kindergarten so that was I was raised Catholic I practicing Catholic anymore but that was my background when I was a kid and uh, I uh, one of the things about that we sidetrack you can pull me back but I just thought of when you're raised Catholic, you have to, when you're in eighth grade, you go through something called confirmation. So they have sacraments. So I, everyone kind of just does it. You know, the other one's communion. You go to a second grade and you do confession. I did all those. And then I got to eighth grade. And that, the whole point of confirmation is you're supposed to confirm that you, you know, want to be part of that religion. And I didn't do that. <laughs> I decided that, that that wasn't for me. So at an early age, I was pretty comfortable, I guess, being uncomfortable because I, I didn't really realize it, but, you know, everyone else in the class did it. It was just something you did in Catholic school. And I thought that it would be more meaningful if I did my confirmation as older and something. My parents, I mean, they were, they were fine with it. I don't really remember. I'm sure they wanted me to, but they didn't really fight me on it. So, I mean, I have great parents. I'm really, I'm really lucky uh, that the way that goes with my family, in-laws and everything. I've got, I've got really great family. I feel like I've been real lucky in that regard. So after that, as far as the religion aspect, I had a probably 20-year hiatus. So I got back into Bible on my own and, and took stuff out again. But that was, that was my, my early career as far as growing up. And I would, I would say that things are probably a little bit different from when they were when I grew up. I was just watching old videos with my dad, home videos of, of me. My wife was just making fun of me because I was just sitting in the backyard playing with like rocks and sticks and by a tree and having a great time. Just hanging out in the backyard with my sister and stuff. So like, that's still around. I mean, my cat, but that's a little less prevalent today than it was when I grew up. Just riding bikes till the streetlights came on, that kind of stuff. I feel like it's a little bit different growing up than it was when you when you left graduated high school and left home did, did you go to college or what kind of career choices led you to what you're doing for a living now yeah so I, I i went away to college i think college now they it's hard i think it's hard to go back to college but college took me a while to get through so i went to a pretty big school in the midwest and it was good because i you know i I'm more, I kind of stay to myself. So in a big school, you can kind of just blend in, but there also wasn't that constant pressure. I mean, the Catholic school I grew up in, I had all great teachers. I had, I had great experience. The, the people there were, were really good. I had good teachers. There were a couple of nuns that weren't my favorite when I was younger, but other than that, I mean, they were, they were all great teachers. I had a great education doing that. Um, but they really, you know, they stayed on you about getting all your work done. So at a big school, you know, you kind of blend in and you don't have to do anything if you don't want to. So it, it took me a few extra years to get that 
degree, that four-year degree. But my degree actually is, is similar to one of yours because I took a lot of ecology classes. I, I started off in zoology and I, I wanted to, I always wanted to work with animals since I was a kid. And that just seemed like the right degree. But where I went to school, zoology was pretty much like a pre-vet course. So I realized the path, the, the, the route I wanted to take animal-wise wasn't really veterinary work. So I switched over to, a, some. it was called wildlife management. I think they've changed the name of it since then. But there were a lot of ecology courses. And that was great for me because I'm not, I am terrible at chemistry. So I like physics, I like math, but chemistry just, I, I could never get that stuff. And you needed a lot of that in zoology. So I don't, organic chemistry, Do you, are you a fan of that? <laughs> yeah, organic chemistry, that's one of my degrees is a chemistry degree specializing in organic chemistry. So I have the, the organic chemistry background and environmental science are my two degrees. Right. So I, I mean, the environmental science portion, I, I, I relate to that, but that chemistry stuff, I could never, I could never get that down. So I was working at a, at a zoo as a part-time worker at the time. And, and they said, you know, if you want to do this full time, you don't really need to have a zoology degree. You can just have a biology degree. I was just kind of a dummy and I never thought about it. So I said, oh, that's great. So then I switched. And after that, it was, was nice because I took a lot of birding classes where you're outside and that was more my style you know you're not stuck in a lab all day I remember like on one of my we had a makeup lab for one of my like easy like the second chemistry course and I almost like burnt my face off because I grabbed the wrong like proportion of acid to whatever and there was this big poof and like my face was all burnt luckily the TA was like in the bathroom at the time and nobody noticed and I just cleaned it up but <laughs> but Chemistry was not for me. So, and since I didn't really want to do anything with that, I was, I was way happier moving over to that wildlife management degree where I got to be outside in nature. And it did apply because, you know, I'm working with animals now. I need to know a lot of the tree species and things. So it's, you know, what's toxic and what's not toxic to feed it, feed out to the different animals. So it, it helped a lot. You know, I think a, a lot of college is, is kind of a, a scam these days, just a money grab, but I, I was fortunate to be able to in some classes that applied the net this applied what I learned to what I do but I most of what I do I do learn from 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 my job itself the birding I mean I'm not I'm not a huge bird guy but they are they're really I mean they're neat to learn about like like all all living things are so it was interesting to be in those classes and we'd go on retreats and you know we learned to miss net birds and that and you know we put out the little tags on them so we could see there was a lot of field research projects you know that I got to help basically were like free labor, you know, because we're the undergraduates, so they got on their trips and helped them with their studies. So I got to do that, and that worked out a lot better for me than you know, in in the lab all day. That wasn't really my style. So you you got your wildlife management degree when when you graduated. Where did you where did you go to work? At that point, did you work for a zoo right away or what kind of? Yeah, so where I where I worked throughout my college career at a zoo, but it was more of a part-time thing and it wasn't, you know, you didn't really get to do the fun stuff with the, the training and all that. You you just kind of did all the, the poop cleaning and the, you know, all the, the dishwashing. But I mean, it was still, you got to be around all these amazing animals. So it was definitely well worth it. Um, but I'd always have two or three jobs because that, that job wasn't really paying the bills as much. I mean, it paid more than it pays now. I mean, now it's, there's, you know, you have to be a free intern to work anywhere. I don't know how kids do stuff these days with working for free everywhere. But so I, I did that and I got my degree and where I, where I work is it's a pretty competitive field. A lot of people, you know, want to do this for a living. So I applied throughout the country and then I got a full-time job down south and I moved down south for a couple of years. Got to work with, with hoodstock, with, with giraffe and rhinos. And there were really a lot of animals that I, I wasn't necessarily interested. When I when I got into zookeeping, I thought all I'd ever want to work with was gorillas. It was really, as a kid, I was fascinated with them. I'd go see them. I had a, I got a part-time job at a zoo, working around the zoo. And I would always go sit on my lunch break and watch the gorillas. And then when I was doing that part-time job, that's what I was doing for the most part there, was working around apes, like large apes, gorillas. Now, that's all I thought I'd ever want to work with. And then my boss suggested I work in another department, get more experience to help me, you know, get hired full-time somewhere. And I ended up working still part-time with 
with, with bears and a lot of North American species, and I love that too. So when I got the opportunity to get hired to work hoofstock, I, I, was, I wasn't really interested in them before as much too because I thought the same. I would only want to work with gorillas, but they're amazing too. So I, every time, I mean, if you're an animal lover, if you, whatever you work with, you're going to end up really loving working with. So I moved down south. The biggest thing, the biggest problem working down there, they make less money down there, which is fine. It's not a big was was the distance from my family, which I didn't think would bother me because I, you know, I see my family a fair amount, but we're not like over for dinner every night. You know, we each other occasionally, but having to get on a plane, come back to see them, that was that bugged me more than I thought it would. So after I'd been there a couple of years, I applied to move closer back home, and uh, I was I up getting a job closer back home. So then I worked with elephants for a while and rhinos, and and then. I switched departments and I now I work in that that place where I initially moved to the with the bears. I work with bears and all that stuff right now. So through the whole thing, I mean the the most I like is just the, the relationship with the animals that you get. One of the big things that didn't really dawn on me, like why I liked this job was how much you can learn about yourself and about your relationships with people from your relationships with the animals, just because that and that, that relationship is just very pure, honest relationship, and it's a very animals are much more forgiving. So they're they're honest, but they're also they're they're quick to to forgive. I mean, anyone that has a dog or a cat, I mean, you you know, the, well, they're way different dogs and cats. But anyone that has a pet, you know, you know what I'm talking about. So that goes across across all the animal species. So that's one of the biggest things that I really liked about. I still enjoy about my job when I get to every day. Let's talk a little bit more about that. That's interesting comment about the animals having a very honest, straightforward relationship with humans or your case with you. And then they're more apt to forgive quicker than, than humans. But what I didn't realize before we touch a little bit more on that in zoo, the zoo programs, your wildlife management, I didn't, I didn't know per se that they broke animals down into different categories. And then maybe you might spend a year or two, one category be transferred to the, what, what are the different categories? You mentioned hoof stock, but what, from a layman such as me, who's not familiar with how zoos are set up, do you have a primate section, a tiger section, bear, and then the, the elephant, giraffe, rhinos, birds, reptile? What are the different divisions or departments that a zoo would be established? Yeah, it's really, it's it's just up to the, the institution. So it just varies by where you go. A, a real common thing to do is just to have regions of the earth. So you, you would have, you'd have Africa area, and then you, you would have lions and there. And then you'd have North America with bears, you know, otters, cougars, things like that. So that's a lot of places do it like that. Other places do it where it's just, you know, you will, you'll have like a carnivore area. And you'll have a, a hoofstock, and those are like ungulates, you know, like all, all the giraffe and all those those type species. So it just it just depends on how how they set it up and and how it works out. And then other places, it's just kind of a hodgepodge of you know what areas you're in, but it just depends on on what they want to do and how they want to set it up. Now, how how many how many years has it been since college that you've been working in this industry? Well, I started working like out like out of high school and even a little like in, in high school, like as a, you know, in like the, not in the animal part of the zoo, but I worked at another zoo, just the maintenance area. Oh, it's been, I don't know, over 20, 24 years or so. Over 20 years. Okay. Over, over 20 years now. that I've been working around and I've, I've been out of college for, I don't since like 2004 down there. Two, okay. The, 20 plus years that you've been in this business working with the animals, do you have knowledge or do you have exposures with the birds, the reptiles, 
snakes and so forth, hoofed, and then uh, maybe marine like seals, walruses, or have you specialized just in maybe three or four categories? Because right now you said you're with bears. Yeah, right now I work with a bunch of a few species of bears, but I work. My department is all North American animals, so there's otters, bears, mountain lions. So, but I've been I've been able to work with with pretty much everything that's you know on my my checkoff list for for wanting to work with species. I'm not I I don't have a problem with snakes, but I don't you know there's there's venomous snakes dudes, <laughs> and I don't that was not something that would interest me you know trying to with venomous snakes that different people are you know it's funny because the people that are herpetologists the, the reptile people they're more afraid of working with like the large carnivores like i do they you know they're afraid of that but i i would much rather work than, with something like that than than a snake one bite and you're out so i don't i don't have pretty much any experience with with reptiles except like you know my geckos i had as a little kid and birds like i said we there's birds, there's aviaries all over, like, every zoo. Like, they, they like having different aviaries and things for the guests to walk through. So you have to, uh, you, you can't be completely ignorant about birds as a zookeeper. They're, they're, they're pretty plentiful. So, you know, where I work, there's, there, we have North American birds. So I work with them, but it's not, it's not my, it's my forte, I would say. And then, uh, but yeah, right now, I mean, mostly bears and otters and, and the, the carnivores is what I focus on now. I've gotten to work around in different different capacities with whether it's part-time or or full-time and like i said the part-time is the the grunt work you know the, the not fun stuff which i still have to do that too full-time but you know i get to on training part too so yeah but i work with around or with you know gorillas and, and rhinos and crafts in different places that i've worked I've, I've had a pretty wide variety of stuff that i've worked with for me since i'm not you know, birds is not going to be my thing and, and reptiles aren't. So. Now, this might be a, maybe it's not a fair question, but to me, it's an interesting question. Do, do you have a favorite animal species with the 20 plus years in this field? If you had to pick? I mean, right now, I mean, black bears are my favorite right right now. I Like I said, I when I got into this, I thought it was going to be all gorillas, you know, for the rest of like that's all I wanted to do, but as I as I got you know to work with more animals, I, I a lot of it's the individuals too. You know the the the, the black bears that I work with right now, I just they're, they're different. So it's not even necessarily that it's black bears. Although I have I have visited and worked with some other black bears just on like exchange things, and I I think they're they the species might be becoming my favorite, but that might I might have been brought into it by the individuals. You know the job. People are always surprised by, you know, well, not always, but a lot of people are surprised that, like, you know, they have individual personalities and, and everything, all the animals and everything. But so those those two individuals are, are my favorite by far. So I have to, I'd have to answer black bear, even though it is an unfair question. What's uh, what's the main diet of a black bear? Well, what we're doing, this has kind of changed since I've, I started a while ago, is one thing that's really good that that we're doing now is moving more towards seasonal diets with a lot of animals. So bears are, their, their diet's very seasonal because they, you know, they sleep through winter and they don't really eat. So we try to mimic, try to mimic that. So they'll get, what we do, we give them, we'll give them like a chow as a, a supplement. It's kind of like a dog food for bears, but that's not the main portion of their diet. And our bears, not their, you know, their favorite Thing. So they'll get meat, it's ground meat, and they'll get produce as kind of like a staple throughout the year. And then like this time of year when they're denning and they're not really eating as much, they'll get they'll get less basically. And if they don't, you know, if they decide they're sleeping and they don't necessarily even eat, if you know, cold. And that changes, you know, it just got really cold all over the whole country. And when that happened, they were sleeping and they didn't get up. And then it warmed up again. So then they. They got up a little bit, but they're still, for the most part, sleeping. But they'll, you know, in the spring, we give them a bunch of berries because that's when berries will be coming. In the fall, we get we give them more tubers, more sweet potato, more stuff like that, and just try to get more and more of that, that produce in and uh, that natural diet. We try to mimic that with, with all our bear species. And that's been working out real well. That helps them a lot. Do, do, bears have, do bears have a favorite? Like, do they really enjoy the berries or sweet potatoes, or does it not matter? They, they, I was curious. 
if they have like a sweet tooth um, and they love berries or yeah no that i mean that's really that's something that i you know we try to find as, as the trainer part of our job so when we're training them we really want to find their favorite because you know that's that's the best motivator as far as training as usually is food there's other other things you can do but food is a big one so they'll get they'll get other things for training that are, are more high value but they you know i they like they like all kinds of stuff. I mean, berries is a big a big one, but they they do like the seasonal change. They like nuts a lot. We have we you know they have mixed nuts. They train. I you know melons is surprisingly you had to just guess an animal you know a, a mammal. You had to guess what its favorite food was. I melon would be a safe guess for a lot of animals. They you know like a watermelon or whatever. A lot of animals that's their that's their high value. Uh, the black bear is not as much, but you were just asking that that popped into my head because you know one of the things the black bears like a lot is our black bears like a lot, and that's individual too actually. So you know we have we have two, so one might like something and the other one might not like it as much. One of them likes peanuts a lot, which made me think of like elephants. You know people think elephants work for peanuts as that whole thing. But elephants really love watermelon. So they have favorites. And the other thing is it will kind of, it'll go in and out of style too. So you got to always kind of keep it on there. You got to keep on your toes and kind of alternate it with those guys. Some animals that will be their favorite for their whole life. You know, that's kind of like how I am. But some of them, you know, they'll change, they'll change their favorites over time. And it's just kind of try new, new different things with them. That, that, that helps for, for, for the training as well. Too. So, so I wonder if I'm at a national forest. In the United States, I was wondering. That's why I was hesitant. I don't want to say anything. Because if I'm camping, if I'm camping and I'm in a national forest, I'm wondering if I should have like a couple watermelon in case a a grizzly or a black bear chases me. I just roll out that watermelon, and they they might go for it instead of me. (laughs) I I mean maybe, but I (laughs) I don't know. I haven't been in that situation. So actually I was once I was, I was in the, we drove out into the mountains like over by Appalachia and I was, I was a lot younger and quicker and more agile, but I, I climbed over this little waterfall and I went back and it, I, it's on video and I'm walking, like taking my time, getting down this like little, it's not really a cliff. It's just like a ledge, but you know, it's about 10 feet. And I walk all the way around to go behind the waterfall and then I just see these eyes open. I don't even know what it was back there. It was so dark. I just saw eyes open and I just kind of like, then you see me very calmly, but not, you know, quickly, calmly walking across the river that I tried not to walk across in the beginning part. And I'm like, let's leave, let's leave. So I think there was a bear back there. Yeah. I was watching a YouTube Sorry, video the, the other day and it, it was the, security cameras at a gas station and it had the the automatic doors where if you get close to it the sensor the doors open and there was this might have been colorado not sure but (laughs) there was a bear a black bear local black bear and he would come several times he got the camera caught him he'd come in to the doors would open and he'd head straight to the candy bar aisle and he would grab a whole box of <laughs> three, three musketeers and Babe Ruth's and, and he'd just eat them. And then the attendant, the gas station attendant would come out with a broom handle and the bear wouldn't budge or kind of growled at him a little bit. And the attendant ran back behind the counter. And then a couple of days later, it shows the camera, the bear would, uh, grab the box and then would drag it out the store and eat it out in the parking lot. And I thought, well, that, that's a clever bear. He knew how to, he or she knew how to ne- negotiate the door, knew exactly where its favorite was. It happened to be three musketeers and Babe Ruth's and just dragged the whole box out and w- would eat them. So I thought, well, that, that bear's got a sweet tooth. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Bears can't have a, a sweet tooth, so. I don't really feed them three musketeers here, but I could see why they would like those. But but yeah, they're they're really smart. I mean, that's a big, a really interesting thing about my job too, is just seeing the different different ways of thinking different animals have. Because we kind of measure everything off of us, you know, as a standard. But you know, a lot of a lot of animals have a different way of going about things. Whereas you know, classically, they thought maybe they weren't smart or just learning. You know, that maybe they it a different way or they look at things a different way so they go about it a different way like bears for example black bears they 
they basically see the world through smell, you know, so they can smell in 3D kind of. They have their vision's fine, like they can see, but they have just a, a superior sense of smell. So they can by the the amount of the scent that's in the air, they can tell how long ago that whatever that was, it was there, how far away it is, what direction it's coming from, you know, just things that we don't really think about. But to them, you know, that's a huge focal point of the way they think because they use that sense more than we do. And that's just, you know, one example is your senses, what sense you kind of prioritize in, in the way you think. Well, that's um, interesting because that means that means I have similar attributes as a bear because all the years I was playing hockey, by sense, I could tell how long the equipment was there or how long the team was in the locker room. There you <laughs> go. Exactly. Just a joke. It's just yeah. like that. So, I didn't, I didn't think about that, though. Bears smelling in 3D, that's interesting. So they can tell where the scent's coming from, direction, and maybe how long that scent's been there. So if it's, if it's another animal or a human, they might be able to tell from the scent that that human was there maybe 10, 15 minutes ago. Is that what you're saying? Right. And that's, like, I, in okay. the wild, you, you won't see a black bear. At least that's what, you know, unless you sneak up on them in a cave like I did, like a moron. But no, I, um, they, they'll, black bears will, will run away. They'll smell you. They'll hear you coming and they'll climb up the tree or they'll, they'll get out of the way. You, you won't see them in the wild. Sounds similar to some of my girlfriends when I was a teenager. They did the same thing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. We had the same problem there. Yeah. And I, yeah, bears are, I mean, bears are super fast. Can't they run like maybe 30 miles an hour or so? And then excellent tree climbers. So I don't yeah, know. Yeah, black bears are good climbers. And I, most, I, if you have to bet on something, a wild animal, it's probably going to be faster than you. So they have different estimates. It's kind of hard to, to know what are, because some of them are wide, wide ranging estimates animals, but I wouldn't want to have to run, run away from one. Well, it'd be, it'd be my luck. Yeah, it'd be my luck if I'm camping at a national forest and I run into a bear. I'd probably be run into the only bear in North America that had Adidas or Nike running shoes, which the bear would <laughs> uh, run even faster those, after me. <laughs> with, those, with those claws, they, they wouldn't last very long. They might they might tear right out of them, so you might be okay. Oh man. So they, when you give them meat, is it the, is the meat raw is uncooked? I'd imagine. Yeah, it's just raw, like, like ground beef meat. Okay. We'll give them, give them like oil, like fish oil we'll, we'll use. Sometimes that helps with their coat stuff. We'll there we'll the meat in there. So it's, it's pretty much, but they, they just eat it plain and they go, you know, they naturally go through their, their cycles of, of being hungry and less hungry, kind of like we should, but we never, <laughs> never yeah. take a break with all, with all our candy bars making us hungry. So they'll kind of, you know, it's a real good thing too. Is it's, it's, I mean, part of the culture of, of zoos is, is we kind of let the animals help us determine things, you know, as far as if you have, if you have babies, you know, it used to be, you know, when, you know, years before I was ever in zoos, but they, you know, people would think, well, they, you know, you need to raise this baby where humans were smart or, you know, they, same as, as anything else. We always get arrogant about stuff, but you know, now the, the, the fields evolved a lot. So that we, we've a lot of try to mimic natural behaviors for everything, whether it's enrichment, you know, different toys and things we give them, we try to make it so it mimics the natural behavior. We always want the mom to raise the young if it's possible. We only will, will raise something if, if mom can't for some reason or so. your microphone cut out oh sorry i was just saying that's a real positive thing about zoos these days is we always let the animals lead the way you know right they you you mentioned earlier that animals very honest relationship and then they are quicker to for forgive than humans is there is there any procedure or protocol that if, if you got an animal upset, is there anything that you've learned over the years that you can do to make amends to the animal? And the animal responds where you're trying to apologize to the animal. The animal picks up on that, like maybe give it its favorite treat and, and apologize. Or does that not matter with an animal? 
I was just curious. No, I'm trying to think of an example. They just, in general, they're just more, they just, they just hold grudges less, you know? I mean, obviously, you know, treats are always nice. So that helps with any relationship, uh, human or animal. I don't know. I'm What's your experience been as far as animals, as far as animals being forgiving or maybe forgetting is, does it take them two days to forget or one day or three days? Any idea there? Well, it's not, it's, I don't, part of it is that. And another part that goes into it is just kind of the trust you build through relationships with through training and the, the kind of the bond you build with them, you know? So I guess it's kind of the same as, as human relationships in that regard. Whereas if, Someone that you're good friends with, you know, will be more trusting that it's then if it's a stranger. So if you like, say we have, uh, we have to do a medical procedure. A lot of our animals are trained to get injections so that we can under anesthesia and then do the medical procedure. So they come up and they'll aim to put their shoulder up and they'll get a shot and then they, you know, we can do the procedure. And then right after, you know, the procedure, most times or the next day, once they're, you know, not groggy and they're all back to normal they'll they'll come right up and do the same behavior you know things like that so i'm just i was just kind of blanking on like a i'm sure there were instances where you know i i did something that i should have done better where they had to forgive me but i'm trying i'm kind of blanking on like a negative experience right now do do you have any children yeah i got two kids boy and a girl do i was just curious if if you ever found out clues working with the larger animals that you've incorporated in raising your children? Yeah, definitely. I mean, you know, there's a, a thing like parents say, do what I say, not what I do, you know? So I've always tried to be more of an example by what I do than what I say. And I mean, that's, that's kind of common. You know, the, the animals also are, they're more forgiving, but they also are picking up on everything. And so if you're training an animal, they can do something called a stereotypic behavior. So say you're trying to train it to put its paw up on the mesh, but when it puts its paw up on the mesh, it also opens its mouth at the same time. You only want the paw on the mesh. That opening the mouth is, a, and it keeps opening its mouth every time it puts the paw on the mesh. That's a stereotypic behavior. So it thinks it has to open its mouth to do the behavior, but really you just want to look at its paw, you know, look at his nails and check out his paw. So I, those two aren't really related, but, but yeah, so I think like being precise, you know, in what you're asking for, very important when you're training animals, being consistent is very important. So if you have multiple people working with animals and you want them to shift somewhere, or you, you know, you're trying to train a behavior, you want to have as few people as possible doing that until it's established. That's, that's the same, you know, that's the same with your kids. You need to be consistent with a lot of things so that they, they don't get confused, you know? So there's, there's a lot of parallels. Patience <laughs> is a big one. You know, one of the big things you, as a, an animal trainer, you never really, you never blame the animal. You, you blame yourself. You say, what am I doing to not communicate this, this animal? You know, you can't talk to them. So it's a little bit different and it gets harder to do that with your kids because <laughs> You're clearly communicating things sometimes, but you know, those, those are all things that, that can kind of be helpful. This is not parental advice for any parents. I don't want to get sued for giving bad parent <laughs> advice, like not financial advice. This is not parental advice. These are the things I personally have done to find helpful in my parenting. <laughs> well, I'd imagine if the years that you've worked in the animal, animal kingdom, in the various zoos, has there been occasions where you're really fond of an animal and then the animal passes away, old age, whatever, and, it, and then it, it's sad, like it's a part of a family member that passed away? Do you ever get that attached to the animals? Oh, definitely. Yeah. It's, it's hard to explain. Like if, if it's kind of, kind of a unique thing to, to being you know, in this field. I mean, people have pets. And, you know, it's, it's kind of a similar attachment. You know, I put pets pass away too but i don't it's just a really i mean these these animals that i get to work with are so amazing it's really unique attachment so when when they pass away you're you're it cut out your microphone could you repeat oh sorry which which part cut out just i was just uh, saying just that, uh, very end when an animal passes away you said it does sadden you 
Oh yeah, it's just it's just very it's it's hard to explain just because they're they're just so amazing. You know, it's it's a very unique relationship that you get to build with these guys. So it's 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 hard to explain that you know it's a little bit it's different. You know, you can qualify it with a pet and a relative maybe, but it's it's not it's it's different. So it's definitely tough. You know, when that when they not not to be gruesome by any means but i'm just curious if it's a large animal at a zoo an elephant rhinoceros gorilla a bear for example and they do pass away how how, how do they bury an an animal like that do they cremate them or and sprinkle their ashes or do they do you do you know yeah they'll take them off off grounds and they'll they'll I don't really, I don't have a lot to do with that part, so I'm not really <laughs> thinking about that when that's going on. But they, it depends on the animal. Sometimes they'll, you know, the necropsies. So for most of them, you know, they'll do that. A necropsy is a autopsy for an animal at, at on site, or if it's more specialized, they might send it to like the local university uh, sometimes. But, but oh, okay. What is that looking for, or if it is, pardon, but. Do they, who is the autopsy? Is that performed by a, a veterinarian or is it a specially trained veterinarian? Do you know? Yeah, the, for the more, for, for most part, it's, it's by the vet. But like I was saying, they, if, if it is either something that they don't know the cause or they need more, a lot of that they can send out, you know, tissue samples or whatever. But I think sometimes they'll have specialists come in or they can have it, you know, or they can do it somewhere else. That's you, not, you, that's kind of that's not like above my pay grade, but like parallel to my pay grade, I guess. It's not really get the results back. I don't really know like the process. Do uh, do you have an idea like on a large city zoo about how many veterinarians do they have on staff? And on a, a, a well-funded zoo, there's usually a, a few three on staff there are zoos too though that they don't even have you know smaller zoos that they might not even have one on staff i think none of the places everywhere i've worked they've had they've had their own veterinary staff like two Um, or three yeah yeah in that range okay yeah i was always curious about that yeah because i mean there's a lot going on if you have uh just a, a regular you know you could have a dental procedure going on and then something was wrong and gets hurt somewhere so you need you need multiple there's always stuff going on you need multiple vets if you've got a good and then one of the one of the questions because we're coming up getting close to to an hour we're around a 50 minute mark and we could always have a part two and discuss more maybe about society in in general what your thoughts are but if you if you had a choice say right now at this point in your life working with the animals the career that you've chosen would you give that up i I know the answer but i want to ask this anyway would you give that up in exchange for (laughs) working in an office in a corporate structure with a bunch of human beings and driving your bmw and mercedes to work each and every day or or would you stay where you're at I mean, the short answer is no, obviously. I, I, I mean, this is my dream job. I've always wanted to do this. There are, I mean, there are times though, you know, I, when I started doing this, I didn't think anyone would be silly enough to marry me and have kids with me. So when that happens, you know, you, you don't, you're not like breaking the bank with your income. So there are times where I like wish I, you know, I, I had thought that maybe I should have done something else so that I could, you know, have more of a support structure for my family i think that's just a typical you know guy thing who wants to to provide for his family and protect i mean we're we're fine it's not if i would have went some other direction i could have made but then you know i wouldn't have i probably wouldn't have the same family so the the short answer is the long answer too i guess which is no i would i would keep my current my current uh, profession i had to do it all over again (laughs) do you are you ever allowed to you know how they have parent parent day at school or take your kids to work type. Do, do they ever let you take your kids, show them what you do at work? 
or is it too too dangerous to have uh, your no, kid? No, not not like you can't do it during your work day. You're working. There's too much going on, you know. But they, I mean, obviously, they're, you know, they're well exposed <laughs> to the zoo, but not not a take your not that I know of. I don't know if anyone's done that. So maybe they might be able to if they were older, you know, because we have volunteers that and you know interns that are high school college age that are help out around so they might that but i don't most most people that i work with are you know kids and stuff and i haven't seen them do that yet but you know, do they still do that at schools even i don't know. I'm, I'm not sure i know yeah who knows i've been out of school for a long time the, if you <laughs> what's interesting have you ever been in a situation when you're working with the animals, obviously you're in the back, you have the employee access in the back and the animals obviously know you, right? They recognize your, your scent, your voice, sight, vision. Have you, have you ever been in the front where the public is like where maybe where the bear section is? Have you ever been in the front? with the general public and the, would the bear recognize you versus everyone else from that perspective? I was, I was curious if you ever went to the zoo where you work as a public and, and the bear would realize, Hey, that, that's Joe. Yeah, uh, definitely. I, we have, I mean, the uniform helps, you know, a lot of the animals will recognize the uniform. It just depends on the animal species and then the individual, but we do, you know, we, we do talks that are like scheduled to the public and we'll usually throw treats to the animals. So they, they know what time of day it is. They don't have a watch, but they know what time those are. So they'll, they'll be sitting waiting for those. But you know, when I come in and I'm not in my, my uniform, they, they recognize me. They know I am. Oh, okay. So that'd be interesting. Like if you were with your family and your kids and you were in the front, the public section, the bears would still recognize you probably if you called them by name and they, they might come up to you more so than me because they see you every day. Oh uh, yeah, definitely. I, you know, if you ever learn an animal's name at the zoo, it's not really a good idea to just have everyone calling its name because that'd be like, if you were walking down the street and a bunch of strangers are just yelling, you know, Hey, your name right. Is. So you know, it's not, People, I, people want the animals to give them attention and stuff. And, you know, they'll, I see them, you know, they'll call, but it's not, it's not really a, a good, not really advised to do. It's not nice for them to have yelling at them from all over the place. Yeah, that, that would make sense. I always wondered, did you, would, has there ever been a time you came home from work and, and you, you told your wife, honey, it was just a zoo today at work. <laughs> all, all the time. <laughs> I've used that joke. Yeah, that joke for sure. <laughs> well, we, we didn't get much chance to talk about society. You had such an interesting job. I mean, how many people have a career working with these unique animals in a zoo? So a lot of this interview was dominated about your career because it's fascinating. We don't, to you, it's a, a daily job. You've been doing it for many two plus decades, but to us, it's very fascinating. I understand. I'm so fascinated by it. That's, that's, what, that's what I love about it. So, it's, it's, well, it's kind of cool. If you if if there's fifty, a hundred people in a room, and everyone says what they do for a living, and you mention which which you do, I mean, you're going to be very very popular. Or the stories that you could tell certainly can outperform a story a, a CPA accountant would tell, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, or an auto so. auto that's, diesel that's mechanic or something. Yeah. That's, I mean, I don't, I don't really like attention, so that's why I don't say what I do in most rooms. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, that's, that's, that's okay. You, you've got a very, you're very quiet and personal and that's, I don't know, you have a very mild disposition. I think that'd work well with animals. I would probably get live because the animals would be tired of my corny jokes, you know, where they've had enough. <laughs> No, there's a there's a wide variety of, of people that do my job, so you might you might fit in better than you think. Well, maybe next uh, time we get together, because you're uh, this joke would be appropriate. I know you're as busy as a one armed chimp in a banana peeling contest. So, <laughs> to use a yep. 
an, an animal phrase because it was hard for us to get our schedules together. But maybe next time we have a chance to chat, we can get your perspective on how society's changed from your high school days and when you went to college, got your wildlife management degree versus now because it's completely different. You said it was around early 2000, 2004-ish or something when you graduated from college. So how much has life changed since then? You know, it'd be interesting to get your take on that. Oh, yeah. We could definitely fill another hour with that. There's a lot of changes. <laughs> yeah. And then because it's also with your age group and your your kids, the because the, they're they're on the younger side, correct? Yeah, yeah. They're yeah, they're not in high school yet or anything like that. No, early grade school, yeah. Yeah, grade school. So I always like to get the perspective of young families such as yourself, because I can imagine this the stresses are much more different today than what I had, because my kids are in their twenties now. But raising them versus you and your wife raising your children now, it's it's a different world in the last 20 years. And I, the only reason why they, I say that is I have, I have great concern. I don't know what the correct word is. I have concern, but I also have sympathy or empathy because I think you, you're in a harder spot than I was raising the kids in, in the late 1990s early 2000 because yeah, the I mean, uh, I, the society's so weird and school's so weird like pub, no way I'd send a kid to public school absolutely not my kids went to a private school the same school that their mother went to and, and that was helpful but I would either do a private school or homeschool I, I can't imagine having kids nowadays the way the culture is set up you know it just scare the daylights out of them it's, it's definitely and it's hard because you know I've only live this one go round and you hear all you know all, old people are always saying oh when i was your age blah 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 and but i really feel like this time <laughs> oh when i was your age things were a lot easier or you know things weren't as crazy so you know it's hard not have a biased perspective but i i definitely feel the last couple of years things are a little different now well you know what i always say i'll 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 leave you with this and we, we could pick up this conversation in a, in a part two. What's different is every generation goes, well, you know, when I was growing up, it was different. True. You know, music was different. School was different. I'm, I'm old enough that in elementary school, the principal still used the paddle. So if you were misbehaving, he would pull out the paddle and you'd get a, a butt whooping. And that, that had phased out, but I was at the, at the tail end of that in the, in the seventies, early seventies elementary school. But the reason why it's different is I was in a conversation with several people recently. Our, my parents' generation in my generation, I came late in the family because my dad was in, he was a pilot in World War II and I'm the youngest of five kids. So I really came, I was kind of an accident. I came late. My parents were in their forties when I was born, but my parents, when they went to school, they still had a boy's restroom and a girl's restroom. They still had prom where you had a homecoming king, homecoming queen at homecoming and prom. When I was in high school, we had a boy's restroom in a girl's restroom. We had homecoming king and queen, male, female. When my parents went to school, there's only two genders and you had boys and girls sports, boys and girls soccer team, boys baseball, girls softball, whatever, right? Boys and girls swimming team. When I was in high school, boys and girls swimming team, soccer, girls softball, boys baseball. Today, there's been a break for thousands of years until the last decade or so. For thousands of years, society and schooling was identical. 
in those aspects. It's only the last decade or so that now you have multiple restrooms, you have gender confusion. Well, yeah, you, you have someone who is biologically born as a male and they're now on the girls' high school swim team. What What's going on? So no, it's not, this is the first time in history where there's been a massive break between how we grew up, our parents grew up, and the generation growing up now. In, in 7,000 plus year history, there's never been this confusion and this curriculum, common core curriculum. And so society has definitely shifted in a major dramatic way the last decade, decade and a half. And that's a whole nother conversation as far as who or what's behind it. What's the agenda behind this? How disruptive it is to community? to townships, to society in general. And that would be an interesting discussion to have and get your viewpoint on that. That is, I mean, that is a really good point, you know, because I, I, I try to, you know, uh, argue with myself about things and I'm not being biased about things, but the, that the gender issue is a giant leg of society that's been kicked out from under it. So that is a little different than the complaints of how everything's changed. Well, we want to thank you for coming on Ethereal Underground and get your perspective. You picked your brains a lot about what it's like to be working in the profession of the animal kingdom like you have. So thanks for the insight. It's interesting perspective. I learned a, I learned a lot in this interview about animal behavior and uh, diet. And the bear, for example, smelling in 3D, it's very interesting. So I thank you for that information, Joe. Glad that you came on the show and you took time out of your busy schedule. Maybe next time, so people that know, he's still at work. This is kind of his lunch break, so he's out in his vehicle and the microphone is on speakerphone, so it's kind of cutting in and out. Hopefully you were able to hear the majority of the interview. And we'll, we'll have you back again when we can coordinate time. What do you think, Joe? Yeah, that sounds great. I appreciate it. All right. So everyone at Theory Underground, thank you for listening to episode 40. And we'll see you next week.